Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse 6. When they had arrived at the threshing floor, can everybody out loud say threshing floor? When they arrived at the threshing floor of, of uh, Nakon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark. The Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and struck, and God struck him dead because of this. And Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah, and he named that place Perez Uzzah, as it is still called today. David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, how can I bring the ark of the Lord into my care? So he decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom and his whole household because of the ark of the Lord. Because of the ark of the Lord. Now, one more scripture. Uh, John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and verse 23. Can I see that on the screen? Jesus says this, But a time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Notice this. This is so powerful. This is your God. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. I want to preach uh, for just a few moments from the subject. The ark found me. The ark found me. The ark found me. Can you just nudge your neighbor? Tell him the ark found me. Go ahead. Go ahead. That neighbor, that neighbor, they must have drank decaf. Look at the other neighbor real quick. Tell him the ark found me. I was a tea drinker. I need a coffee drinker. The ark found me. The ark found me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Our soul sings how great your love is. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. David. David. Before David was a king, he was a shepherd. And before David was a shepherd, he was a musician. But even before David was a musician, he was a worshiper. I'm telling every person in this room that before anything else that you do in your life, if you can build a foundation of worship to your God, it doesn't really matter what comes your way and it doesn't really matter what you end up doing. Who you are becomes the core of your life. And you no longer live by what you do, whether you're a king or whether you're a shepherd or whether you're a musician or whether you're a janitor or whether you're a pastor or whether you're a lawyer or whether you're a housewife or whether uh, it doesn't really matter what you are or what you do. It really matters who you are. And if worship can be who you are, it can sustain you through every season and every transition of your life. Because how many know that life changes? <laughs> David was God's 
chosen man. God said in Acts 13, I found a man. And, and he's, he's like me. He's after my heart. He's, he cares about the things that I care about. And by the way, a worshiper will always care about the things that God cares about. And I want to remind every person in this room that today you are a worshiper. Maybe not really a worshiper of God, but you are a worshiper of something. Because we were created to worship. God got tired of Lucifer, kicked him out of heaven and said, I will create a second worshiper. This worshiper will not be a servant. He will be a son. So he created Adam and he created Eve in his image and in his likeness. And we are God's creation and we are on the earth to express his praise, express his glory, express his light everywhere that we go. You are a worshiper, but you might just not be worshiping the right thing. (laughs) But we are all worshipers. And a worshiper is not a worshiper because their life is perfect. Some of you saw someone, you were worshiping by them in your aisle, and they made you very uncomfortable. Because they were loud and they were emotional. And they kind of looked bipolar because at one moment you looked down and they were crying. And you thought, do I get them a tissue? Do I call an usher? Do I? But then you look back and they're laughing. You need a Prozac? No, 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 no. They're just thinking about the goodness of Jesus. (laughs) And it's not that their life is better than yours. It's probably worse off. Real worship has nothing to do with what is going on around you. It has everything to do with who the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Before David was ever successful... In public, he was successful in private. Before he ever faced the Goliath, he faced his God. Before he ever fought a giant like Jacob, he wrestled with his creator and found out who his God was. Before he ever went out on the battleground, he learned how to live in the holy ground. True success is not what you do out there and what people see. True success is who you are when it's you and God and you can open your hands in the greatest of days and in the worst of days and say, God, I choose to worship you because if I don't worship you, I will worship something else. And if I choose not to worship you, you will make these rocks sing. And I'm just not going to let a rock out praise me. Thank you, Ron Canoli. Oh, that was for all the old saints. That was for all the old saints right there. David let the pain of his life lead him into God. The rejection of his father, the hatred of his brothers. He didn't have a perfect life. He had a very messed up life. But he chose to enter in to the presence of God. Uh, Whenever you face pain, you will lean into something. It might be a substance. Well, now we're in California. It might be a green substance. <laughs> don't even lie like you don't have six plants already chilling in your kitchen. We, but we're not judging you. It might be a drink. It, it, it might be a girl. It might be a guy. It might be both. I don't know what it is. But pain will always lead you to something. And it will either lead you to creation or to your creator. David let the pain of his life 
lead him to his creator. The people who worship this morning are not people who have never experienced pain. They're just people who have learned to process pain correctly. That's why David could write in Psalm 145, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He did not say great is my life. Great are my circumstances. Great is my marriage. Great is my health. I'm going to praise God. No, no, no. He said great is the Lord because true worship has nothing to do with what is going on around you. True worship has everything to do with who God is. And a real worshiper can be in the fires of hell, can be in the worst season of their life, can feel like darkness is all around them, but they can still choose to worship God. Why? Because it has nothing to do with what you see. It has everything to do with who God is. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So if you are not giving God a great praise, it simply means you have a revelation problem. Because if you really knew how great he was, it would change your worship. Can somebody, can we take like a five-second praise break? And if you know he's great, hallelujah. Mm. God loves worshipers. And I don't mean that to say he, he loves you more if you worship him. But I would say it this way. He likes you because you get each other. Have you ever talked to someone and just gone, ooh, we just don't get each other? Like just, have you ever been on a first date and went, this isn't, can we go Dutch? <laughs> you know? We are not on the same level here. God likes a worshiper because it communicates two truths. It, it tells God, God, I know who you are. And I know who I am. Rather, I know who I am not. <laughs> Whenever I worship God, I'm letting God know that I understand that he is God. And I'm also under telling God that I understand that I know that I am not God. And God says, I like this. I like this relationship. When, when you figure out that I am Father, that I am Creator, and that I love you, that I want to protect you, that I have a plan for you, and that I want to lead you and guide you, I want to walk hand to hand with you, and I don't want you to do this on your own. A true worshiper is one who can say, God, I know who you are, I know who I am, and I want to walk side by side. See, I, I have a dog, and when I walk my dog, when we first began to teach our dog how to walk with a leash, he would constantly choke and gag. Why? Because he was at the edge of the leash, right? <laughs> he was still mine. We were still connected, but there was no fellowship. I was still his master. I was still going to take care of him. One go get rid of him. Went home. There was still food for him. But, but there was no connection. Because he was always at the edge trying to lead. That's what a person is who has not learned to worship God yet. The, I'm not going to give him the exchange offering. I'm not going to forgive anybody. But the moment my dog learned that he could be right here, there's no longer tension. There's now freedom. There's, there's now an intimacy. There's now, a, there's now something that he had never experienced before. When you worship, you get side by side with your creator. 
and you say, okay, you're the master, I'm the servant, and this is a great, great deal. It's worship. First Peter 5, 7 says it this way, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It's worship. It's, it's saying, God, I can't do it, but you can do it. But even though David started so good, the presence of God kind of started to become a little too common to David. He heard about this God box, this ark. Now, this is not like Noah's ark that is this giant thing. But rather, it was a box that represented God in the earth. And the nations began to hear about the God box. The nations began to hear about the ark. Some of you have seen Indiana Jones. <laughs> and everybody wants the ark. Everybody's looking for the ark. And David found out about the ark and said, I want the ark with us. It, it, was, it was the equivalent of a nuclear bomb. It was, the, it was the blessing of God for our nation. Don't mess with us because if you mess with us, you're going to have to mess with the ark. And so David saw the blessing that was on the ark and knew that he needed it. But hear me, there can come a point in our life where we recognize our need for God's blessing. But if we are not careful, his blessing will become more important to us than him. Because it wasn't really about the box. It was about what the box represented. It was about the fact that you could look at the box and connect with the God of the box. So it really wasn't about the blessing. It was about the blesser. It was about who you could worship and who you could be with and, and, and who you could be in covenant with. Today, I, I don't know about you, I, I need God more than ever. I became a dad on Monday night. And uh, can we show a picture? I think we might have a, we, there she is. Woo! <sighs> that is Goldie Ray. One more? Maybe not. Already sucking her thumb. All right, take them off. I can't cry right now in Jesus' name. I need God more than ever. You need God more than ever. Our nation needs God more than ever. But I must never separate God's blessing from God. Because I'm a worshiper first. Before I am even a father, I'm a worshiper. Before I'm a preacher, I'm a worshiper. I have so many needs and so many, so many desires and, and so many things I need from God right now, but, but I must never replace all of those needs with my greatest need. And my greatest need is not what God can do for me, though He will do that and He will do it with joy, but my greatest need is God. Not just the God stuff, but God. The person of God, the relationship with God, the worship of God. I'll never forget, I was 15 years old. I walked into a church that I'd never been to with a friend. And I worshipped in the seat. And I sang and I sang and I sang. And after worship, a lady turned around and she handed me a $100 bill. And she said, I, I like that you don't just sing good, you sing loud. 
But I didn't know I was singing loud. I was 50. I was just a worshiper. And then she said, never lose your song. But we can lose our song. We can get professional. We can get good at this. We can get dignified. We can get used to the God box. And now it's what can the box do for me instead of what can I do to have that song with God Almighty. I never want to lose my song. I love Jesus. I'm not planning on walking away from Jesus. I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. I seek God every day. But, but, but I don't. I don't want to be at the edge of my leash and I've lost my song when I can be right by him in an intimacy that comes from worship. Come on, put your hands together. Come on. And David knew that David knew that the ark would bring victory. And, and again, I'm not saying that he was all wrong in this, but you can just tell that his heart began to wander a little bit. And I know this because he got the God box, he got the ark, and he threw it on some oxen. But the Bible was so clear in the Levitical law that you could not carry the ark this way. It must be carried on the shoulders of the priests. See, the presence of God is for people. The presence of God is not just about your stuff. It's about what happens in you when the presence of God gets on you. Because when the God box gets on you, you start walking different. And when the God box gets on, you start breathing a little different. And when the God box gets on, you used to lean towards pornography, but now you start leaning towards the presence. And when the God box, you used to lean towards the substance, but now you lean towards the presence. And, and, and you used to lean towards racism, but now you're starting to lean towards grace. And you're starting to say, God, change me. Why? Because when the, when the gold heavy box gets on your shoulders, you begin to change. But, but David took the presence of God off the people and he put it on tools. Now we start trusting in our bank account. Start trusting in all this other stuff. And, and friend, it's so easy to do. I'm not, I'm not rebuking you. I'm, I'm just saying, Holy Spirit, I can, I can remember this old sermon by a Pentecostal preacher, Noel Jones, when he said, Holy Spirit, sit on me. Because <laughs> I don't want the presence of God to be on something else. I want the Holy Spirit to be on me. But he puts it on the oxen. Whenever it gets on the oxen, the Bible says that it hit a threshing floor. The threshing floor was a smooth place in the ground where a stone would have come out and it would have been a big, smooth place where they would have taken wheat and you would bash the wheat and it would separate the wheat from the shaft. It was a place of separation. It was a place that represented repentance. It was a place that represented the temporal and the eternal being separated. It was a painful place. It was a, it was a hard place. But we all need a threshing floor. And by the way, you're going to have threshing floors. And the threshing floor reveals, is the presence of God on you? Or is it on stuff? 
Do you really have a walk with God? Or do you just have Sunday morning religion? But whenever I face a threshing floor, the Bible said the ox began to slip. Because every time you face a challenge, we curse it and we rebuke it. But in reality, what's slipping is the temporal. Because when your foundation is on the unshakable kingdom of God, Hebrews 12, even when he hit a threshing floor, you just keep walking. See, the priest would have kept walking. The priests would have actually thrived on the threshing floor because it wouldn't have been the, the sand and the dirt and the rocks. They would have loved the moment of relief. Because when you really have God on you, even when you face a challenge, you just go, okay, we, we're going to be on this together. We're going to do it together. I will not fear. He's with me. He's before me. He's on my left. He's on my right. He's behind me. He's above me. He's beneath me. And so the threshing floor simply reveals, have I entered into religious ritual or am I still in relationship? But the, the oxen slips and Uzzah means strength. Tries to steady the ark. As if God needs our help. <laughs> well, do I tithe on the gross or the net? Well, I'll pray about giving, but I stop at strength. Stop at Uzzah. Stop looking at your strength. Stop looking at what you can do. See, Uzzah said, oh God, I can help you. God said, I don't, it's cool, dog. I'm good. <laughs> but every time you take the presence of God off of you and try to do it your own way, pain is inevitable. I'm not saying God's going to kill you. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying if you're seeing disorder in your life, maybe it's because you need the presence of God to come back on you again. And become a carrier of his presence. Rather than just putting the presence. Uh, see, he had an oxen, but we have, we have a church building. Well, that's where God is. He's over there. But it, was, but it was never meant to just be over there. It was meant to be on me. Huh. See, we do the same thing with the ark. See, the ark represented God in the earth. Sadly, sometimes we, we use God in the earth, Jesus, as kind of our means to an end. When in reality, he is the beginning and the end. So Jesus is not a means to get to something better. He's it. He's the best. So I don't use Jesus to get what I want. I surrender to the person of Jesus I let him get on my shoulders, begin to influence my life. And the reward of worship is not what I get. The reward of worship is him. Because the ark is simply a type and shadow of Christ. Never forget this. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So the ark fully would yet covered in gold. Fully wood, fully gold. Fully humanity, fully divinity. Within the ark were the Ten Commandments because he's full of truth. 
But in the ark was Aaron's rod because he's full of grace. In the ark was the manna because he is the bread of life. And on the ark is the mercy seat, the finished work of Christ when he said it is finished on the cross. And on the ark are two angels that bow down before him and worship him. Because for all of eternity, the angels will bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and worship him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So the ark is simply a picture of Christ. But I'm not going to put Jesus on something else when I can have him face to face. And David got mad at God. I want you to picture this. They're in the presence of God and somebody's dead and somebody's mad. They're in the presence of life and joy. And somebody's mad and somebody's dead. See, David became afraid of God because anytime we replace worship with ritual... It will always lead to disappointment. I will never settle for what I can get from God. Team can come up. When I can have a face-to-face -face with God. So in a fit of anger, in a fit of rage, in a throwing a little fit. Because he didn't get what he wanted. He said, you know what, just take the God box, just give it to, put it in that guy's house over there. His? Yeah, yeah, him. But we're not even in Jerusalem yet. It's fine. Okay. Opens the door, hi. And they look at him and they go, oh my God. He's a get tight. David, are you sure? Yes, I don't care who it is. But, but he's, he's from Gath. Oh my God, that's where Goliath is from. Because um, can you stand for your enemy to be blessed? Because God does love your enemy. You may not yet, but he does. And they go, uh, 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 what, uh, Oh, gosh. Um, so are you circumcised? Nope. You a Jew? Nope. What's your name? My name is Obed. In Hebrew, it means worshiper. Oh, I could run around this room right now, but I'm too tired because I haven't slept in a week. Because the ark will always find a worshiper. Because the Father is seeking worshipers. Because God will always find your address if you are a worshiper. Even if you haven't come from the right cloth and even if you're not really where you should be and even if you haven't had all the ritual yet even if you don't live in Jerusalem God said I'll find you and while David the people of God are having a fit I will find somebody to reveal my glory to oh come on praise God one night
And God says, you can do your Facebook posts and you can throw a fit and you can, you can make noise and you can be angry or you can worship because I will always find a worshiper. The Father is seeking worshipers. Obed was a worshiper and the ark found me. And Obed put the ark in his house. You can be seated. And the Jewish historian Josephus, who was not a believer, first century historian said this about Obed-Edom, that every morning before his family would wake up, he would light a candle in front of the God box. And he would just stare in fascination. I wonder what he heard coming out of the box. I wonder what he saw coming out of the box. I wonder what he felt. <laughs> and for hours before his family would wake up, he would just. And then Josephus went on to say that when his family would go to bed, he would lay with his wife, when she would, when he would hear her snore, he would, because he had to get by the box. And Josephus said for hours every night he would go back in front of the box and he'd light a candle. I want God to be in my house. I don't want to just come home from work and put on the news for hours a day. When I can get in front of the box. I don't want to just flip Instagram for hours a day till my thumb hurts. When I can, I can get in front of the box. Because when you get in front of the box, see, David wanted the blessing, Obed wanted God. But when you get God, you get the blessing. So, So the Bible said everything in his house got blessed. Tomatoes started getting bigger. Steak started getting more tender. Is this Wagyu? No, that was a 10-year-old bull. I don't know. Wow, it's delicious. Josephus said, and again, it's not Bible. It's not Bible, but Josephus said that his, his, his wife and daughter-in-laws and daughters were having two kids a month. <laughs> And it's not in the Bible. But something was so radically crazy happening in his house outside of Jerusalem that his servants heard about it. David's servants heard about it and said, yo, you got, you got, you got to see these apples. <laughs> you got to see this wheat he's growing. They got babies everywhere. <laughs> Homie's blessed. And David said, but he, but he's from Gath. He goes, I, I know, but it, but it has nothing to do with where he's from. For the Bible said in verse 12, that the blessing of God was on his house because of the ark. But he's not circumcised. But David is, but he comes from, comes from Gath where Goliath is from. Yeah, but, but you put the God box in the house. 
So see, I'm not blessed because of what I can do. I'm blessed because of the box. But the box is not a box. Stop looking for a box. The box is a person. His name is Jesus. So Ephesians 1 chapter 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Hear me, in the box. So I'm blessed because I'm in Christ. So I don't seek blessing as much as I stand in His presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the image. Wait. See, we don't, we don't get transformed by, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. No, 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 no. We get transformed by looking into the image. And from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit. Would you make a place for the box? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.